I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. Courage and confidence comes from those small moments, from you walking through and using your tools and getting out on the other side and realizing like, oh my God, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm going to be okay. (laughs) This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 268. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad you are here. Hey, guess what? I finally went to the doctor this morning because I have not been well for a few weeks now. Turns out I have bronchitis. I told my husband a few days ago and I'm like, I really think it's just a cold. And then finally I was on the phone with my coach and she was like, you have got to go to the doctor. And it's it got me thinking I mean, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. I think that women do this more so than men, how we poo-poo, how sick we are. And we're like, no, it's okay. I mean, like we could have a limb falling off and we're bleeding out. And we're like, no, it's just a flesh wound. Just give me some, give me a washcloth, dish towel or something and I'll mop this up. But I was coughing so hard that I would go into spasms. And have you ever had that happen where then you start dry heaving, which is super awesome when you're on the phone with a client or you're trying to record a podcast episode, you're being interviewed by someone. I had to do that. I had to like pause the recording. I'm like, can you hold up? And it was just mildly embarrassing. Also, incontinence is really inconvenient when you have bronchitis because of the coughing and the having to change your underwear because of that. Anyway, I know you all know that my zip code is TMI. I am not afraid. (laughs) I'm not afraid to share too much information. Speaking of TMI, no, it's not TMI for this particular episode. I am pumped to bring you two amazing stories of some former clients of mine, two women that have been through, actually both of these women went through both Raise Hell last year, which is a program that'll roll out in a few months, as well as the mentorship, which is my flagship program. It's my deepest work that I do. And I'm so incredibly proud of this work. You know, I go on and on about it, but applications are open for the mentorship right now. You can check out that link in the show notes or just head on over to yourkickasslife.com slash mentorship. 
And I know usually I have experts on here where I'm asking them all these important questions about how to live your kick-ass life, or I'm here solo teaching you the same things. And I know that it can be helpful for you to hear from, from women who maybe have other kinds of jobs. These women are teachers. They are nurses. Some of them are stay-at-home moms. They do all kinds of different things. And I feel like it's inspiring and can be motivating and give you hope when you hear real stories from women who have committed and changed their lives. So first we're going to hear from Courtney. Courtney has struggled with shame and even not even realizing it was such a driving force in her life. And Courtney even, well, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. I'm going to let you hear it because she has such a, a really beautiful story. And then you're going to hear from Carissa and she definitely is the type who I'm sure a lot of you can relate with. Carissa's all up in her head all the time. And my work kind of I was going to say forces you. I'll, I'll change that. My work invites you to go a little deeper and do some surrendering and helps you uncover things in your life that, I mean, for many people have been challenging for decades. All right, y'all. So without further ado, here is Courtney. Courtney, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I am so excited to have you on here. I have had the pleasure and honor of working with you pretty much the entire year of 2018 and into a little bit into 2019. And I asked you to be on and you said you were a little bit nervous and I told you that we only have seven listeners. So thank yeah. you seven <laughs> listeners for being here. <laughs> and I, I, I think I want to start, I think what can be helpful for people as they think about their own personal development journey and tell us about your journey from were you were you a podcast listener and did you read one of my books did you read both of my books like where what was your kind of journey to get you from just being kind of a passive person of personal development into my programs so i was a several year long podcast listener and i, I didn't had know that thought, thank yes. you <laughs> thank you just been kind of lurking in the corner <laughs> yeah yeah as many of us do yes um, so I had actually tried a few, a couple of your programs, like the self love revolution, and I'd done the inner critic. I had done an, I had done some other programs, um, with other people that were online and I had never finished them. Um, I just kind of would start and not finish and start. Well, I'm going to stop you there and ask you about that. Yeah. Why do you think that was? I think I think that it, maybe there were some topics I wasn't ready for. Mm -hmm. I also think that, you know, one thing it, when I eventually did the raise hell program and then the mentorship, if there was more accountability because it was video calls yeah, and I felt like, um, Oh crap, I can't hide. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty much. That's part of the method of the madness. <laughs> um, and going through, I, I actually wasn't going to do any more programs. And when you started talking about your raise hell program, I really wanted to do it. And it sounded like everything that I needed, but I wasn't going to do it because I had spent so much money on programs that I had not completed. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not doing this. I cannot spend any more money. You know, I just kind of had given up on it. And then you posted on the podcast, your, my resignation poem. Oh Yeah. And I was completely moved. I, 
I I remember that I was at work and I had like listened to it. I was on my break and I started crying and I was like, I resigned too. And I signed up for the raise hell program and it had, um, it just kind of went from there. So raise hell, I was able to be a lot more accountable. I finished the entire thing. I think I made Mm -hmm. it to every call Mm -hmm. and I finished it and then just went right into the retreat and the mentorship after that, because I just knew that was the path I needed to be on. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I didn't know, I didn't know a lot of that. And I want to, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to, I've, I've read that poem on two different podcast episodes. We'll put a link in the show notes to one of them so people can, can hear that. And I also want to say that the reason that I stopped doing those kinds of programs where, because there's a lot of different ways we can roll out curriculum as wellness professionals and helping professionals and for a long time, you know, I wanted it to be really accessible for everyone. And I think that the digital programs that are self-paced, they can help a lot of people. I am not one of them. Like I'm like you, (laughs) no one's holding me accountable. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Right. Right. I have a million other things. I'm going to think that I am. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when it comes to this type of work. And so for me, I really had to think about, okay, how do I want to show up for my people? And not just that, but what am I really good at? And I've, I've talked about this in my emails that I send to people and in the podcast as well, is that really it's about listening to, and this is for like, if any of you all are entrepreneurs out there, and even if you're not, all of us are creative people. It's about your zone of genius. What is his name that said that? Um, Gay Hendricks <laughs> wrote The Big Leap, <laughs> talks about your zone of genius and not just the thing that you're good at because that's your zone of excellence, but what is the thing that really truly is your genius where you think like, well, I can't get paid for this. It's what just is so easy for me. And quite honestly, it's facilitating these types of small groups, holding people, you know, kind of holding their feet to the fire and holding them accountable for the things that they say that they're going to do. And that's really where I felt like, I can facilitate the most transformation. It may not be for everyone. Like other people listening, like may do really well with the digital programs that they do, that they're self-paced. I mean, I've heard of people like changing their life from those types of things. That's fantastic. Personally, I had to really just say like, that's not where I can facilitate the most transformation for people. And so I'm so glad to hear that you did decide to make the leap. And I also want to say for anyone out there listening, Watch it if you're beating yourself up for not finishing certain things. I just, I really feel like maybe you just weren't ready. Do you think that that was the case for you or do you feel like you were just too chicken shit or maybe both? I I think, I think a lot of it was, I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, one thing about the, like the self-paced programs versus like the mentorship and the raise hell program that I did is that there's nobody deterred on the self-paced stuff. I would get into something, but there's kind of a lack of somebody to turn to, to talk about what you've just experienced. Do you know what I mean? Like the video calls really helped me. We would, you know, going through the worksheets, I'd go through the, the content on my own and then we would meet. And then I would, I had, I could run it through with people. And that was very helpful for me. And yeah, and that's why it was designed because I yeah. feel like I've been doing this long enough where I'm yes. like, okay, here's, here's what works and here's kind of what doesn't. And so yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like when you were first, so it was about a year ago as we were recording this and you, I'm assuming, did you go through the how to stop feeling like shit book club with us? 
I did, but I did not complete it. You didn't complete it, right, because it was free. <laughs> yes. Which is another thing. Yeah. But what were you, I'm curious about what were the things that you were struggling the most with? I think a lot of people in this community have a lot of different things that they're struggling with, but were there particular things that really spoke to you? And maybe specifically about the mentorship that where you were like, okay, yeah, that's the thing that I need to work on. Um, so your entire, how to, I have read the book, how to stop feeling like shit two or three times. Um, and almost the entire book, um, the ones that really stuck out for me were numbing and isolating. Those are my main go-tos that I was having trouble with. And they were really keeping me from moving forward because I would, instead of feeling my feelings or dealing with my feelings and probably another reason that I wasn't completing the programs is I would just go do something else to numb out. So I didn't have to feel them. Mm. So I, the awareness of them wasn't really there. I didn't want it to be there. And then I would isolate. So I didn't really have anybody to talk to about them once I did have. Yeah. (laughs) So it was kind of like a double-edged sword and it was really, it really had me stuck. Very stuck. Those two, I'll tell you something as well, because you mentioned those two, numbing out and isolating. And for those of you that haven't read my second book, it's basically the behaviors that all of us do that we, that work for a little bit. (laughs) I say like they they work until they don't. And we do them because we think that they're going to protect us. Like for you, I'm assuming it was, you thought it was going to protect you from feelings and being judged, things like that. Is that fair? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then you get to a certain point where you're like, this isn't working anymore. This feels really shitty. And so there's, there's, there's a reason that those were in the beginning of the book, because I know that people tend to start self-help books and not finish them. So there were three things I wanted to make sure that people read. It was inner critic, numbing out and isolating. And those, that's why they're the first three chapters. So you're not alone, Courtney. Yes. Yes. And I was so glad that it was on audiobook because I could just listen to it instead of it's easier for me to, it was easier for me, really easy for me to just listen to the book and kind of comprehend what was going on instead of, um, sometimes reading books, I put them down and never pick them back up again. So yeah, I was very happy that you did that on audio book. Well, what are, I'm curious also, what are, what had you done? I know you mentioned you, you did some other programs and things like that, but what else had you done to try to get resolution about that? If anything at all, I forget, had you done therapy before? Yes. I've done therapy off and on, um, since I was a teenager and I have also worked with another life coach previously. I had gone more into the spiritual side of things. I was trying yoga. I was trying Reiki. I was trying just about anything that I could to try and get through and heal whatever it was that was keeping me stuck. I just knew that I was miserable and I was looking for everything that I could to get through it. And I think that those things did help Mm -hmm. a little bit in each way in their own way, I guess. I just, the really profound change has been this last year for sure. Okay. And so that, that brings me to my next question because I, I feel like I've been doing this long enough y'all where if someone tells me that they're in such a better place and it was so helpful and I think that they're bullshitting me a little bit, like I think that they're telling me that cause they're like, I'm done with this work for now yeah. or they're trying to tell me what I, what I, what they think I want to hear. I'm like, really? 
But I honestly, unless you're the best bullshitter ever, I honestly think that you, and because I've seen you in action for so long now, I've seen your breakthroughs and I've seen you actually doing the work and I've seen you pull back and check out for a week or two and then come back into the work. But what was, what do you think about this was your biggest takeaway? And I know it might, might be hard to like pinpoint it for one thing. So feel free to ramble if it's a handful of things. Okay. It is a handful of things. The biggest takeaway for me um, completely has been the shame work and identify. I just had no idea how much shame I was in. Like I would walk through the day and shame spiral every single day. And I just thought that there was something wrong with me all the time. You know, and I didn't, I couldn't identify it or work on it because I felt like I was just stuck in this hole of hating myself all the time. And then once we started doing the shame work, it's like this big light just went on with, you know, just, Oh my God, this is, this is what's happening to me. This is what this feels like. Now I can, and now I can step back and I can see it. I still have to work on it and I still have to work through it, but I can see it for what it is. So it's on the outside. I'm on the outside of it now, instead of getting sucked down by it all the time. And that was what was keeping me stuck is I just kept, I couldn't think my way out of the shame that I was in because I didn't even know I was in shame all the time. If that makes any sense. Yes. I was just, I'm just so, okay, go ahead. Um, You know, and it would be the, if there wasn't anything that was making me feel crappy that day, I would start going through my memories, you know, in my brain, my brain, the Rolodex automatic. Yeah. Like, Oh, well, remember that thing you did that was horrible and remember this thing you did. So really I, I feel like all of the therapy and the yoga and the Reiki and the self-help programs and stuff, they have, they were just, they, I know they weren't meant to be surface level, but it was just it was just skimming the surface of what I really needed to deal with. And shame was like the root core of the problem. You know, that was what I was really struggling with. And I just feel so much lighter now. I feel like I can step back. And when something is happening, like I'm in an argument with my husband or something's going on at work, I have skills now that I've learned to step back and say, Hey, what's going on? Mm. You know, I, I feel kind of shamey right now. Why do I feel shame? What's, you know, and then, you know, that big identities thing is a big thing for me. Um, I have a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody one does. One through the identities. So just the skills to work through that has been mon- monumental for me, just life changing completely. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it's so funny. Be- and I've said this on the podcast before that uh, if you would have told me 10 years ago, I was going to be doing shame work with people. Yeah. I would have been like, go fuck yourself. Because <laughs> I personally wasn't ready to do that work. I had to go through my own work. And then for me as a facilitator of this work realized that yes, inner critic work and, um, you know, learning how to manage your negative self-talk is so important, but really what's at the bottom of that? Like your negative self-talk is shame manifested is shame with a voice. And I was like, I remember totally, I was like, Oh damn, this is the solution. It was really Brene Brown and her research that catapulted me into it and going and getting trained by her and her senior faculty. And, and now I'm in my fifth year facilitating this and it's stories like yours and Carissa and I actually, and boundaries too. I had somebody else from, from your cohort email me just this morning and tell me how she set two boundaries with two different 
people in her life just last week. And that's also something that's part of the program and that you went through as well is, is, and what I say to people all the time, I can't ask you and teach you how to be vulnerable without also teaching you <laughs> how to have yeah. these hard conversations. Cause that's a huge part of vulnerability and shame resilience is learning how to take care of yourself from a boundary place. Because the vast majority of the people that come into my circles who struggle with isolating and numbing out, overachieving perfectionism, that type of those types of behaviors, they struggle with poor boundaries. Yeah, definitely. And I it's, definitely have struggled with poor boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have yet to meet a woman who is like, no, I'm totally good with boundaries. I mean, unless she was taught it as, you know, a young woman or, or a child. But anyway, I just, I'm so glad to hear, to hear your uh, experience. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And one more thing I want to ask you before we before we close is how did it feel being in an online group with other women? And I know that you experienced my in-person retreat, which actually now the mentorship includes a two-day event. This one is actually here at my house. If someone's listening to this in the future, I might have the event at a different venue. But I know that you had struggled in the past with your relationships with women. So my question is, how did it feel being in an online group with other women? Were you nervous or hesitant? Tell us about that experience. I was completely nervous and hesitant. <laughs> um, I think... I believe that before we started, you had permission slips for us. Mm -hmm. And on my permission slips, I wrote that I was going to give my permission. I was going to give myself permission to, to speak and use my voice and say what I felt and share, because this was my opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I made a point to try and talk first so I wouldn't get in my head about what everybody was saying, but it didn't take long for me to feel comfortable because, um, most of the women were, had a story I could relate to or said something similar to what I had said. And it just, this feeling of not being alone 
completely came over me almost immediately. It was just like, I am not alone. These women are all here to do this work and talk about this thing. And it's safe, you know, like you don't get an opportunity to just lay it all out there like that in real life. Most, Mm -hmm. at least I don't, you know, I just, I don't have people really that I could just sit around and talk about this stuff with or talk about my shame with. (laughs) So I really actually enjoyed the online form. And there's a certain amount of anonymity to it too, because these aren't people that you're seeing all the time. So that made it feel really safe for me. And I really, really enjoyed it actually. I good. yeah, it was not very long before I felt really good about it. I love that. And I, I think, well, remember you almost didn't come. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I told you, I think, I really think you should. (laughs) (laughs) And you are a mom of a small child, toddler. And, um, and I know that that can, it, it is such an, and massive inconvenience to have to travel. And, and I think for a lot of people, it feels kind of selfish, like an indulgent to go somewhere and work on yourself. Yeah. And you did it. Yeah. And it was wonderful. Like I didn't feel, I think it was just like mom shaming myself a little bit and thinking, well, I can't possibly go away because I have a small child, but it was fine. She was fine. (laughs) And she still loved me when I came home and Mm -hmm. everything was great. And I enjoyed the time away from myself because I hadn't taken that. I had anything like that since she was born. So the opportunity to just be me again, instead of like mom was really nice. And I feel like that was very helpful for me too. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience here. I know that my listeners like to hear real experiences from women who, uh, you know, who have, who have done the work. And even if the mentorship isn't for them, I think that it gives them hope to keep going and to take bigger action, whether it's with me or whether it's with someone else or their therapist and doing trauma work or whatever, whatever it is in their life that is the next step for them. I, that's all I want from people. I want people to do, and I, and I hesitate to say, do it when you're ready. Like, you know, when you're ready, you'll do it because I don't truly believe anyone. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't, I shouldn't make the general, uh, a sweeping generalization, but where someone's like, okay, I'm totally a hundred percent ready to do this. When I walked into my own shame work, I was like, I'm going to do this because I know it's the best thing for me, but I'm still scared shitless. I think that's normal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely how I felt going to the retreat. So yeah. Well, everyone, like, as I mentioned, your kickasslife.com slash mentorship. At this point, several of the spots are already taken and I will run this again, but I cannot promise that the price is going to be the same and that everything's going to be the same. And I would love to take you through it. Thank you so much, Courtney, for being here. Thank you, Andrea. Thank Mm. you so much for everything. Oh my gosh. That woman, my heart just explodes seeing courage in action. And all right, so that was Courtney. Uh, you might have seen some similarities of your own life with her story, and maybe you'll see some similarities with Carissa, who is coming up next. So without further ado, here is Carissa. Carissa, welcome to the show. Hello. This is so exciting to talk to one of my clients. I'm very excited to be here talking to you. It's a, it's not very often that I have people on and I just, it's, and I've actually had requests. Listeners have said, I did a survey, probably it's been a couple of years now. And a few people said, Hey, can you have people on maybe that aren't life coaches that aren't experts? (laughs) 
<laughs> in personal development. And do you mind telling people, you can even just in a general sense, tell people like what part of the country you're in and what you do for a living? Sure. I am in Chicago, which is currently experiencing a blizzard and a deep freeze. Yeah. And I am a special ed teacher. So that means sometimes we're off. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I wanted to, for, I wanted to have this episode air for a few reasons. I think that a lot of people that listen to this podcast are interested in signing up for my programs and they're kind of like, well, I, this is weird. I, it's like all these internet people. I'm not going to know anyone. And we talk about some pretty intense topics. And also I think people really don't know what sort of goes on behind the scenes. And that's what I wanted to give people. And if you're ready, then you're ready. And I, I kind of hesitate to say that too, because I don't know if anyone is really, really ready to do the deeper work and what you just got finished with, because I know you've done two of my programs. You did Raise Hell in early 2018, and then you rolled right into the mentorship. And that one is my deepest work. And you can, you know, kind of talk about that in a minute. But I think that some people need to go, I mean, I think everyone needs to go through whatever process they're going through. If they're just reading self-help books and they're just, you know, consuming podcasts and sort of putting those tools into work. And what I tell people is if you're ready to really commit, cause it's a commitment, you know, you can, you can mm -hmm. talk to that, then you're ready. And so that's what I hope clarifies for people in this particular episode. And so let's sort of start from the beginning. Tell us what your journey was from like, were you a podcast listener? Did you buy one of my books? Then from there to actually taking the plunge and signing up for a program. Sure. So um, I originally started by listening to the podcast. I believe I first heard you on home and then immediately looked you up and loved the podcast instantly. I loved how practical all the tips were. So um, it was right around the time, maybe fall of the year before how to feel like shit came out. Okay. So I was listening and I got to listen to the previews of the book and I bought the book right away when it came out. And I loved the book because of all the practical advice in it. And kind of like you had said before, being on a self-help journey and doing all the podcasts, reading all the books, I was definitely, and still I'm definitely that person, but I really, I liked the way that you put things into practice and gave real life examples. And so um, I started with the How to Feel Like Shit book club first. Oh, that's right. And I then, did that around this yeah. time last year. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was my very, very first into uh, peopling as far as uh, self-help goes. <laughs> I'm not really you mean self-helping with others? <laughs> yes. I love I, that term. I thought maybe it's time to, I don't know, you read the books and do the podcast for 10 years or so, and then maybe it's time to bounce some ideas off some people. So I joined that first and then... Um, continued to listen to the podcast and heard about Raise Hell and decided to take the plunge and sign up for that. And surprisingly, it was my first of uh, any kind of class like that. So I did that. And then I didn't know that. I was going to ask yeah. that too. I didn't know if you had done any other group programs like this before. I had not ever. Nope. These well, were my first. Two. Honored. I'm honored to yeah. be your first. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was never on the home podcast. It had to have been a different recovery podcast. Oh. It had to have been. Because I was like, oh, because I listened to all of them and I'm friends with the hosts of that show. And for those of you that don't know, it's a recovery podcast. I can pop a link in the show notes because the episodes are still available, but they did stop doing the yeah. podcast. And no, I had asked to be on their podcast right around the time where they were ending oh, and it just never happened. And But that's funny. <laughs> they, was, it, was one of them on your recovery Yes, series? they both were. 
That's how I found it. Okay. Because I think they, I had found them and then they were on your podcast. I'm like, who is this? And how come I don't know about who this is? Because yeah, normally I knew. That and that, that's together. where it all began. <laughs> well, I love that, that you were kind of like ready to peopleing with, yeah. with other people. And um, I'm always just so curious how that starts. And like I was saying, I think people are just ready and you jumped in, I mean, head first, you were ready. And I'm, I'm curious about what were the things, I mean, obviously if you resonated with how to stop feeling like shit, it was probably the behaviors that I talk about in in that book that you were struggling with, but what are the things you felt like you were struggling with the most? And the second part of that question is what had you done before to try to get resolution? Like, had you done therapy or anything like that? Oh yeah. So I've been therapized completely since since my early 20s, I would say. Um, So I've done traditional therapy. Uh, I've had like psychology. I've, um, let's see, uh, I've done a lot of things. So Reiki healer, Mm -hmm. um, psychic. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, they're the same person. So I'll say past and future, stop. but yes, I have to know everything, but, um, just, a, and a lot of reading, lots and lots of reading. I started with Wayne Dyer and things like that. So I was, I was really, I, I had absorbed a lot of the content and I knew cognitively how to process how, what I was supposed to process. But there weren't a lot of in-between steps, you know, like how do you actually, what's the bridge from point A to point B? And I think that was when I was reading How to Feel Like Shit, it provided a lot of bridges because a lot of the topics in there were things that I struggled with for sure. Definitely um, giving zero fucks Mm -hmm. was one. Mm -hmm. Um, Perfectionism is basically my number one. And a couple of other things in there too, a smattering of all of them, but I'd say those were the top two. And I was finding that I could read about them and I could understand them, but then I was really having a hard time jumping into, okay, now what? Like, so what do you do with those? Exactly. And that's really why I more specifically created the mentorship because I saw that a lot of my readers, and it's funny because I had done the mentorship a couple of years before, really as I was writing the book and Mm -hmm kind of put it away for a little while. And then (laughs) after I wrote the book and saw all of you in the book club that you talked about, I was like, I need to, I need to resurrect that because that was like, you were saying, like, how do you bridge the gap? And I think for me personally, and I don't know if this was you as well, I loved self-help books, but I would put them away and then... Yep. You'd read, I would read one and that would be the plan, the one plan that was going to save everything. And then I'd get done reading it and I may have remembered one or two things yeah. and then I'd get on to the next book. And sometimes I would not even finish them. And yeah. I'd be like, well, nothing is doing it because there weren't actionable steps and there were no people to bounce those actionable steps off of, even if there were. So. And no accountability, no one to hold you accountable too. Right, right. I think exactly. even in therapy, and I think, and I don't want to, you know, I never, ever, ever want to throw any therapist under the bus because I oh, think yeah. therapy is so helpful. And just like any profession, some are better for you than others. And mm-hmm. what I found in my experience is that there wasn't a whole lot of accountability. And it's just kind of not part of their old model, how it was mm-hmm. created. And sometimes my therapist would ask me, like, you know, how things went that, you know, assignments that she gave me last time. But for the most part, I was really on my own and you have to be self-disciplined. And that's what 
that's what I wanted to create for both Raise Hell and the mentorship, but more specifically the mentorship. It's like, what I will hold you accountable for what you say that you're going to do and don't commit to something that, and don't do it for me or everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it for yep. you. Yep. And it's that bridging of the gap. And that's what I wanted. Good. I'm, I'm glad. And I, I, that's what I wanted people to walk away with. And so I also want to know, did you feel hesitant or nervous about being in an online group with other women? especially the mentorship where we talk about such tender topics? I was at first, and I think being somebody, and I'm sure a lot of people listening will be able to agree with this, when you're very steeped in perfectionism, I think I was very afraid of two things. One, I was afraid of how I would come off, that mm-hmm. I you never want to look crazy or anything, but I'm like, I don't know how these, my issues, how are my issues going to be the same as everyone else's? But that was a fear. And then my other one was when you're steeped in perfectionism, also trying to take that mask off. And it was, it was so nice to actually get in the group and dig in right away. And then you realize so quickly that your issues are everybody's issues or a lot of people in the group's issues and there are many of you working on the exact same things and there's no judgment and there's, you don't have to wear a mask and you can just come as you are. And there are people there to help you through it yeah. and skills and tools and all those things. So it's nice to do it together. Yeah. And I, I think that, oh gosh, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm going to, um, <laughs> It seems to me and what people have told me in the groups is that their fears are pushed aside once the group starts and gets going and that most everybody is nervous. I'm also curious, side note, how was your perfectionism showing up for you on like a day in and day out level? Oh, geez. Where wasn't it? Um, I think, uh, well, I think it was, it was showing up in mostly like trying to have control over everything. And very black and white thinking. So it was very all or nothing. I would maybe plan out a day. And if everything didn't go exactly how I thought it should go or perfectly, I would want to scrap the whole thing. There was really no in-between for anything. And that went for even mostly on personal things. So I would maybe have a great week and be meditating four days of the week. And then I'd miss Friday and then I'd endlessly beat myself up because that's not the perfect schedule and you have to be doing it every day. So I think it was a lot of perfectionism and black and white thinking and kind of how I treated myself. And that's, I think those were the main ways that it reared its ugly head. There Mm -hmm. were a few, but (laughs) yeah. Can we, would you mind if we, (laughs) And by we, I mean you. Will you tell, I just love the very last private session that you and I had together, the assignment that you came up for yourself, your homework assignment. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, and I'm wearing it. Oh, shut up. Will you tell everyone? (laughs) Yes, as I probably crinkle the mic uh, touching it. So I, I always had a very hard time, and I think a lot of perfectionists do, of accomplishing something and going through the hard things. And you know, you can cognitively go through the hard things, but you never really look back and are proud of your accomplishments a lot of times, or you don't give yourself a credit. Yes. Mm. What's the next thing you're on? Go from step zero to 20. Like I've trained for marathons and you're, you're, you hit that 20 mile mark and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran a marathon after you hit 26. You're like, what thing am I doing next? Am I doing a triathlon? And you, you don't even enjoy it in that moment because you're already jumping ahead. Mm -hmm. And we had discussed what's a good way where 
asked you, how are you going to celebrate all of your, how far you've come and all of your accomplishments? Yeah. Yeah. And so we had kind of kicked around a trophy idea and I looked at some of those, but they were, it was a little harder to come up with than I thought because they wanted like bulk ones for children. And I'm like, oh, hey, I just imagined you, you with this like one. six foot trophy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I thought too, I know myself and if things aren't like right out there, I tend to forget. So I was like, Hmm, how can I like morph this in? And then we talked about a metal mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, I like the metal idea. And then that morphed into, I looked up I was trying to find basically the patron saint of hardship because I knew it would come in necklace form and I knew I'd be able to find a pendant. And so did you I say hardship or hardship? Yep. Hard, well, hardship, but <laughs> it can be either one, <laughs> whatever we need. <laughs> but I was like, who embodies that? So I found a uh, Joan of Arc medal and it's really small and it fits on a normal necklace. And I've been going through a lot of personal things this last month and I've really needed it. And it's helped to ground me to remember, like, look, I've pulled out, like I like to say, you can garden and garden and garden, but until you take things and pull them out by the roots, they're going to fester there. And I have pulled out a lot of roots. So I can do these hard things. I love it. And I love that it went from, you know, me suggesting a trophy to you buying like a piece of jewelry that you can actually wear. And, and I, I, I love it. Well, all right. So what do you think? And yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back about what you went through. You had a physical injury. Yeah. I did. I I had universe was like laughing hysterically. Oh, it definitely was. It was like, Oh, you want to turn the pressure up? How about this? So yeah, yeah, I had a physical injury. I was going through, uh, my, uh, father-in-law had some health complications and among a million other things. Um, so just things that before in that black and white thinking would have they, do, they didn't quite level me anymore because cognitively I knew better, but because I wasn't dealing with them at the emotional level or at the body level, they'd yeah. still crop up and take me out. So, yeah. And that's one of the things yeah, I think that I was, that was so beautiful to watch of you and so many women in, in this particular cohort in this work, because we talk about some hard stuff, but dealing with the mm-hmm. emotions, dealing with the emotional side of it and guiding you through into just feeling it and writing it out. And, you know, what if it's just emotions? Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Would you mind telling that story about what happened in the car? Yes, I was just thinking of that. I think that is one of my biggest takeaways from the whole mentorship is just it became ingrained that the story is just a story. So I had done a lot of inner critic work. I wasn't really beating myself or berating myself up too, too much anymore. So I was like, okay, got that under control a little bit. But what I didn't have under control was the the story of things. So, and sometimes I would say, instead of a shame spiral, it was the, everyone is going to die spiral. Like, yeah. oh my God, everything is horrible. And we're just all going to die. <laughs> and so I would tell myself these stories and I didn't really even realize I was doing it. So it may be like something happened and I'd be upset and crying but it was really because of the tape I was playing in my head, not actually because of what was happening. So, so the story, and, when you say like the story, yeah. it's like the story that you were making up about yes, something that about was happening that was kind of a little unreasonable. Yes. It okay. may have been a little more elaborate than what was happening, but you could convince yourself it's real and continue to feel bad, which I did a lot. So when, as Andrea mentioned, I had, uh, fallen over my dog on the stairs and severely injured my thumb to the point where they had to cast it. And I've never had a cast before. So I had, they said, we're going to cast it hard cast for three weeks. You'll go back, you'll get it taken off. So I go in. Your dominant hand, by the way. Yes, dominant. So we're trying to plan um, a Christmas party, which also involved us rehabbing our entire basement from scratch. So I'm very handy. So I do a lot of it with my husband and myself. And I'm thinking, all right, perfect. I'm going to get this off. And then I, we're going to finish everything. We're already behind and they take it off and he examines my hand and he's like, I think we need to recast it for three more weeks. It's not healed. And I held it together and they looked like they were scared because they probably get yelled at all the time when people (laughs) say that. And I was like, well, it's not the news I wanted, but I understand. So they casted it again and I had the cast off for about 20 minutes (laughs) and I got in the car And I started crying because I was holding in everything I had from the doctor's office. But I was kind of waiting for, it was weird because nothing was coming and nothing was coming. I cried out, I cried a little bit, but it was more like a body release. And then I realized there was no tape playing. And normally there would be a tape in my head going, well, now you're never going to get this done. And you've been injured so many times in the last three years. And this Mm -hmm. just always happens to you when you need it. And what is my luck? Mm -hmm. Right. And still... And there was nothing. And I, my body kind of cried and did what it needed to do to release things like the duck that like shakes it off and swims the other way. And then I was like, oh, well, what do I have to do now? I have a three minute drive. I should call my boss back. So I did. <laughs> so just not having that tape in the background of like taking it to that next level, 
you're so processing it. You're not trying to like gloss over and be like, oh, I'm so happy I got this cast because no, No. not that at all. Mm -mm. It was very disappointing. And I let myself feel the emotion of being disappointed, but that was it. I didn't like put gasoline on the fire by Mm -hmm. throwing in all these old, these old tapes, the greatest hits of why everything's wrong. (laughs) And it did not spiral into a, everyone is going to die spiral. Like it usually did. Yeah. So I love that story. Thanks for being so open and sharing it. And I just, I, from my perspective and for those of you listening, you know, whatever your thing is and your emotional stuff can look a little bit different. And I think that what I remember, one of the biggest things I remember from when you came and told us that story in the group was that you released it. You cried in the car for just a handful mm-hmm. of minutes. And then you were surprised that like when it was over, it was over. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, yeah, I'm back to feeling okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you can feel an emotion all the way down and then be done. Like, and it releases. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of just like, Getting to the end and making it worse to continue it or getting to the end and shoving it down because you're not actually done yet. Like, oh, it just it resolves itself when you deal with it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Or powering through or drinking it away or trying all those different things. And it may seem small for some of you listening, but like that and knowing your history, I think that was it was such a fist pump moment, I think, you know, for you and, and for me to watch you do that and and also be aware of what was actually happening. And that's what I tell people over and over again on this podcast. Like Courage and confidence comes from those small moments, from you walking through and using your tools and getting out on the other side and realizing like, oh my God, I'm fine. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. I and haven't maybe not fine. fallen apart. You know, yeah. You're yep. still disappointed. You're still frustrated. You still have an expectation of getting the cast off that didn't yep. happen. And it sucks. Right. It totally sucks. And I like that you pointed that out too. It wasn't about glossing over it and being like, wow, I'm so grateful for my other hand. I'm so yeah. grateful for no. my health insurance. Like, <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah. And you, yeah, and you can be. And sure, if that works that's for you. Lovely, but moving on, you know, and I think an important part too to mention is that like it didn't end there. So the mentorship has ended. It's been over for a few weeks now. And just recently, my father-in-law had a massive stroke and he's not really doing very well. He's 84 years old. He had a lot of complications beforehand. Now that's not something as simple as getting a cast off yeah. that's temporary. But I've still been able to stay in those moments when we got to the hospital and saw him on a breathing tube, when we were sitting there waiting in ICU for three days, when we were in the middle of that stuff that really is, that can and should bring you down by everyone's standard, there still is no story. And I'm still able to take it moment by moment Mm -hmm. and just remember to put one foot in front of the other. So the cast part is it's hilarious. And that's one of the first times that I noticed, but it really does stick with the big stuff too. I've been through enough of it that this is, this is different now. And it's, I just, my whole mindset is different. I'm so glad to hear that. And I know, you know, the kind of the basic premise of what we learn in the mentorship is the steps of shame resilience and what they actually look like. And you probably remember I was repeating them over and over mm-hmm. during the whole time, the months we were together. And that is my job. And that's the reason I created the program and, and created the length that it was because it's not about you guys just like coming for a weekend and learning the tools. And then I'm like shoving you out of the nest. Like, good luck with no. that. Like yeah. I specifically wanted it to be so I can remind you week in and week 
week out. Here's what, here's what the steps are. How is it working for you? And week, you know, week by week, people are like, what are they again? You know, I'm yeah. giving pop quizzes. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Was there any other last takeaways or anything that you learned the most that you wanted to share with the listeners before we close? Well, I think the the one last thing I did want to share that goes right along with what you were just saying is I'm a very cerebral person. So when you're a perfectionist, a lot of times you can get real cerebral. So when I signed up, I understood Brene's work very well. I understood your work very well. But I think a little part of my brain was still clinging to the, I'm going to get a binder and then I'm going to go through all the lessons. And I was gifted as a kid. So I'm going to get straight A's on this. And I'm going to, I didn't like, I didn't want to cognitively power through, but I think there's a little piece in there that thought that that I was going to, Mm -hmm. but really, like you just said, that it's not designed that way. And it's really all everyday examples from your daily life, the things that you're going through to get this actual support in real time so that it becomes ingrained over time. And that's the, that's the biggest takeaway of the whole thing. Like everything that was set up by design, it, it works the way it's intended. So it yeah. does. Thank you. Yeah. And I also love, I just want one, one more quick question for you. I, I also designed it to be a small enough group that people would still get my attention. Like I knew people's partner's name. I knew their dog's names. Like, I, knew, <laughs> yeah. I knew what everyone does for a living. Like you can't hide in yeah. this group. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. It is you and everyone. And it's, it's amazing to see how, like it's, it's kind of like the recovery thing, like look for the similarities. Yeah. That's pretty much it's designed so that pretty much every does, everyone does that the instant they get in. Yeah. And then it's really supportive. You always know that if you, if you need something and you need to reach out and you're working through something that's difficult, you, there's the Facebook group and all of us, like none of us really live close together. So we were all on that, like gangbusters mm-hmm. and all over it all of the time. So oh, yes. I, and there's been friendships that have been forged that carry on forever. I know you still talk to a woman that you met in Ray's Hell and you guys yep. talk every week every and it happens all the time. So thank you so yep. much, Carissa. I appreciate your time so much today. Well, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. And it's been wonderful working with you. And I hope to continue. Well, I hope those stories were inspiring for you. And even if the mentorship ends up being not for you, I hope you can take what you just heard and know that you can create change in your life as well. And if you are interested in the mentorship, head on over to the show notes, yourkickasslife.com slash 268, and you can click the link in there or simply head over to yourkickasslife.com slash mentorship. You can read all about it, fill out an application. Those applications go straight to me. And if it's a great fit, then you and I will hop on the phone together. As I'm recording this a few days before this actually comes out, I have five of the 15 spots already taken. I cap this group at 15 so that you get lots of undivided attention from me. And there's also, I'm really excited about this. There's a workshop retreat here at my house in North Carolina, where you get to come hang out with me, come hug me. You can snuggle with my dog if you want. She loves treats. Anyway, y'all, I hope you have a great rest of your week. I hope you don't get bronchitis and cough so hard that you pee a little bit. And as always, I'm so grateful that you choose to spend your time here on the podcast with me and my guests. And until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.
Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking.